How can we find more drivers to fill our nation's trucks? More evidence that electric trucks are in our future. And supply chain companies continue to focus on sustainability. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the group editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aptian. Aptian is a global provider of mission-critical, industry-specific logistics and transportation management solutions. Aptian Proof of Delivery delivers the most advanced transportation systems to world-leading brands, helping to transform final mile delivery services, boost operational efficiencies, and drive business growth. Armed with the right tools, your delivery operation can be a powerful vehicle to deliver game-changing customer service, fully optimize processes, and supercharge your strategy for continuous improvement. If you're ready to reap the benefits and change the game in your delivery operation, Aptian can help. For more information, visit aptian.com and discover what's next now. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, it seems like forever that we've been talking about truck driver shortages, but the pandemic and the tight job market have made it even more difficult to find drivers now. To dive into that current situation, here is Ben with today's guest. Ben? Thanks, Dave. Uh, that's right, for sure. We've been uh, reporting for months on the, you know, the effect of the pandemic, of the e-commerce boom, of the um, economic bounce back, um, about low unemployment rates and um, the really tight employment levels. And uh, nowhere is that more true than in transportation. Uh, and with us today, we have someone who's an expert in that sector, uh, Dan Johnston is the co-founder and CEO of Workstep, which is a hiring and retention solution for supply chain sector. Uh, Dan, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me on, Ben. Uh, Dan, I, I know you work with major uh, 3PL providers, third-party logistics, and you found that uh, that not one initiative or trend ignited a positive uptick in 2021, the past year, in terms of the driver shortage. Um, in fact, I, I believe uh, you, you've written that companies will remain in crisis mode until at least mid-year this year, 2022. Uh, how bad will it be out there and what sort of impacts will logistics providers see from that kind of shortage? Yeah, it's a, it's a really important question. And it's a question that every carrier uh, and third-party logistics company is asking themselves right now as the calendar turns over to January. And if you look at the data, uh, for 2021. What you see is that there was a 3% lift in truck transportation employment. Uh, but with that said, we really just got back to where our driver employment levels were at the start of 2020, uh, which being two years ago, in the meantime, we've seen a decade of e-commerce acceleration and overall consumer spending that continues to grow at rates near the double digits. And so what this means is that the supply and demand imbalance, basically the gap between the supply of drivers available and the demand for those drivers to de deliver the goods that consumers need is the widest that it's ever been. And so this problem can't be solved overnight. 
as we all know, and it can't be solved through a single initiative. And so the impacts of that gap between driver supply and driver demand will extend well into 22. And what we'll see is this continued cycle of higher wages and more force over time, which leads to higher prices for consumers at the end of the day. Businesses will continue to be constrained on their top line growth in terms of how much business they can do. In many cases will be how much business can they deliver because of the numbers of drivers that they have available. And finally, these companies will really turn to their current driver base and think about topics like driver retention and driver promotion more than they ever have. So that's the situation we find ourselves in here as we kick off Q1 of 22. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. I mean, that, that's something that, that um, you know, all of us will really see uh, sort of in our, in our daily lives. I mean, a, a lot of the headlines are about things like port congestion or about things like... Um, uh, you know the, the wage rates, uh, but I mean, when you when you talk about uh, higher consumer prices or or uh, shortages of certain goods um, and constrained growth at some of those businesses, that's really um, effects on the ground there. Um, I, I know in some of your approaches, you say that one of the solutions to to tackling this, um, and and again, not in in the next quarter or two quarters, but in the long term. Uh, could be that 3PL and trucking companies will target new demographics uh, to make up for that gap that you talked about. Um, who's currently getting overlooked out there? Uh, who haven't they found yet? Yeah, I think that, uh, it's a really important question. And one of the most uh, overlooked opportunities that we see nationwide is uh, companies evaluating how they can help their low and mid-skill workforces graduate to becoming sort of their driver mechanic and more highly certified, highly paid workforce. Because if you look at a standard third-party logistics company, what you'll see is that the lion's share of their non-exempt workforce is in the warehouse or in the case of a CPG company, potentially on the production floor. And so at the same time, we also see that the number one driver uh, frontline workforce turnover in the supply chain is lack of career growth potential. And so what we've seen some of the most successful companies do is to begin to in, uh, invest in their own training and development programs that help their sort of lower and mid-skilled workforce populations graduate into filling those very hard to find driver needs, which allows those companies to not only retain their workers better, but also participate less in this highly competitive driver recruitment environment. Beyond that category that I think is the most overlooked, I think we'll continue to see carriers and large logistics companies look at uh, retired uh, CDL drivers. Uh, so those who may have been aging out of the workforce but could potentially pulled, be pulled back in because that is a, uh, a group that is available basically immediately, as well as continue to build programs to make the roles more attractive for Gen Z, uh, which is a workforce that this industry uh, has been slow to tap into, uh, but where there is obviously increasing opportunity in terms of workforce availability. Yeah, really interesting. Um, and and that, that touches on another point, I think, um, that you've 
made in some of your uh, work there is that um, usually with supply and demand, um, you know, the solution is just to raise prices uh, or in, in this kind of application to raise wages. Um, but you, you've been talking about, um, you know, chances for promotion, chances for, for better training. Um, so that the solution isn't uh, simply increased pay. Is that what you've been finding? Yeah, I mean, increasing pay is typically a bandit on the problem, right? Increasing pay can't increase the number of certified CDL drivers available overnight. It certainly does help with talent attraction in terms of competing with other companies who are looking for the same skills, but it isn't enough for talent retention. Uh, at Workstep, what we've seen through our talent retention software is that we rank the drivers of frontline workforce turnover in the supply chain across 14 themes based on what workers are saying and then how that translates statistically to their outcomes. And pay, everybody expects to be the most important, is actually ranked, ranked seven of those 14 themes. So it is a driver of turnover. It's just not one of the top six drivers. And what companies need to be focused on if they want to retain more of their drivers and warehouse worker population is how they make their company a better place to work, how they drive increased workforce satisfaction, growth, and retention. And that starts with listening to your frontline workers and responding to their needs. Yeah, really interesting. So it's working conditions uh, are, are really important, which makes sense. I mean, we, we all want that in our own lives as well, right? And uh, and, and that helps to retention and and as you mentioned hiring from within so a lot of the solution may be uh, some of the workers already in the company Re really interesting um uh, the, the finding those workers uh, that you've mentioned um in, in terms of the workforce that you already employ um it seems to be really a way forward um and and that really points to the importance of retention whereas most of the discussion um, has been about you know competing for workers. We all hear about somebody quitting a job if it's a, the pay is a, a, a dollar higher per hour down the block or something like that. Um, but it, it, it seems that the takeaway for our conversation here today um, should be more about the retention side. I mean, that's exactly right. Obviously, Ben, these are two sides uh, of the same coin, but I think um, it's easy to understand that for every driver that you're able to retain who you may otherwise have lost is one less driver that you need to recruit externally and train and onboard. And I think that, you know, if there was one silver lining of the COVID pandemic, it was that it forced companies of all sizes really for the first time to both label and think of their frontline teammates as what they are, which is essential. And really prioritize like we've never seen the health, safety, satisfaction and retention of these workers because retaining these workers is mission critical for a logistics company to be able to deliver value to their end customers. And so we've seen this trend start and I think what we're going to see is companies go even further in this direction, right? If 2020 was a year where everybody sort of stopped doing everything uh, for a moment and got behind. And then 2020 was a sort of a storm uh, where everybody was in the tornado sort of doing everything to try to keep up. I think 2022 will be a year where these logistics companies who look at their workforce and say, how do we set ourselves up for success in this new normal? 
And what they'll find is the best strategy to do so is going to be investing in their current workforce to try to lift retention so that they can compete less in these very challenging talent acquisition waters. Got it. Got it. Really interesting conversation. I think that's some, some great advice for our listeners here, Dan. Uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Ben. I really appreciate it. Great. We've had with us uh, here on the podcast, Dan Johnston. He's the co-founder and CEO at Workstep. Uh, back to you, Dave. Thank you, Dan and Ben. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And Victoria, you wrote this week about some news in the electric vehicles market. What more can you tell us? Yeah, that's right. Uh, this week we reported on a couple of announcements in the electric vehicle segment of the industry, and it really just reinforced the growth that we've been seeing in that market. So earlier this week, um, EV startup uh, Wave Inc., and that's spelled W-A-E-V, um, acquired the Gem and Taylor Dunn electric vehicle businesses from Polaris, which of course makes a wide range of vehicles, including uh, snowmobiles, motorcycles, ATVs, and military vehicles and the like. Um, Wave was founded by former uh, five former Polaris leaders last year, um, and the, the acquisition essentially brings both brands under independent ownership. Uh, the company's headquarters are in Anaheim, California, where both uh, the Gem and Taylor Dunn vehicles are designed and built. Um, and just for a little background, our audience may know this, but um, Gem makes full electric low-speed vehicles, or LSVs, for personal and commercial use. And these are small vehicles that really look like golf carts, but they're road legal and they can be used for a variety of uh, personal and commercial uses. And Taylor Dunn uh, may be a little bit more familiar. They make EVs for industrial, commercial and ground support applications. These are essentially industrial carts you'd see in warehouses, yards and um, airports, things like that. Also this week, kind of I think just a day or two later, Swedish electric vehicle maker Volta Trucks announced a partnership with the location data and technology platform HERE Technologies, that's H-E-R-E Technologies. And that company is a multinational firm that's owned by a consortium of uh, German automotive companies and um, Intel, the American uh, semiconductor company. Essentially, this partnership, uh, Volta will add HERE's navigation services to its urban logistics vehicle, which is called the Volta Zero. Um, this deal essentially advances Volta's in-truck infotainment capabilities and really helps to improve the uh, last mile delivery. Uh, HERE's platform adds um, navigation as a service to the Volta Zero. Um, and again, I, as I said, it's an urban logistics vehicle. It was purpose-built um, for urban dense environments. Um, so it's designed to be used in cities. And um, uh, again, the, this, this deal just sort of advances uh, the technology that they're using to, to push this into the market. Right. Victoria, what does this mean for both companies and the EV market moving forward? Um, well, this, these two announcements, and there were a couple of others I didn't have time to sort of mention today, but it just sort of reinforces, as I said at the outset, um, all the uh, activity going on in the EV market. The founders of Wave said that uh, their acquisition represents a new era for the two brands and that they plan to invest in both to capitalize on new opportunities, again, based on the growth in EV technology and demand for these kinds of vehicles. As for the Volta Here Technologies Partnership, that really seems to build on the momentum we're seeing among many EV developers. Just this past November, um, logistics services provider DB Schenker uh, pre-ordered about 1,500 of the Volta Zero trucks, um, and they said they did that to speed its transition to an all-electric urban vehicle fleet in Europe. Um, when this was announced, it, it marked the largest pre-order for electric trucks in Europe 
um, again, as of late November, according to both companies. Um, I've not been able to find a bigger uh, announcement in my research recently. Um, so it's a big step. But I should say the trucks aren't in use yet. T.B. Schenker said it will use the first prototype of the Volta Zero in real distribution conditions this spring and summer. And they'll use the findings from those tests to, um, uh, will go into the production of the nearly 1,500 vehicles that they're going to use. That rollout will begin at 10 locations in five countries, um, although the timing has not uh, yet been announced. So, so just some, some interesting moves uh, in the uh, electric vehicle truck um, segment. Right, and it's just simply more proof that the industry is moving more and more to an electric future. Thanks, Victoria. Absolutely. You're welcome. And Ben, you wrote this week about how companies are continuing to prioritize curbing the environmental impacts of their supply chains. Can you share some more details? Exactly, yeah. And, and uh, what I was covering actually dovetails really nicely with what Victoria was just talking about in terms of those electric vehicle adoptions and, and uh, consolidations, even down to the, the details. Um, you know, D.B. Schenker has, has been a big mover in that space and, and some other big names uh, like Lufthansa Cargo and uh, Dasher, um, the freight forwarder. Um, so it, it just shows that, uh, you know, despite all the turbulence in the pandemic, um, you know, that, that these companies have not lost sight of some of those longer goals. So uh, what, what we learned this week uh, is from a recent study from researchers at Ohio State University, and uh, they had covered uh, an initiative. They had studied the results of the Carbon Disclosure Project. That was launched about 20 years ago now as an index of publicly traded companies who wanted to show their investors how they were performing on environmental measures. And it has since grown a lot bigger uh, to include some 525 institutional investors and uh, more than 8,000 companies that are participating. So the study by Ohio State's Business School found that over the long run, companies in that project had a positive change, although it was slow, incremental, uh, driven by profit motives, and how they quantify and address the impact that their entire supply chains are having on climate change. Ben, did the researchers say why those improvements happened? Great question. Uh, I mean, they, they did mention uh, that, that some of it was driven by money, which, of, of course, uh, to, to make change in, in the business world um, always has to be uh, one of the top levers. Um, the, the overall study couldn't list specific reasons uh, because of the research was so broad. They analyzed about 10,000 reports filed over a decade of time. But in general, the conclusion was that companies that voluntarily submit such annual disclosures about their carbon emissions and their environmental footprints, they tend to make those reports more comprehensive and detailed over time. And then as those reports become more detailed, companies pay closer attention to the quality and the breadth of the information that they're submitting. Uh, so it's sort of an organic improvement. Uh, the, the top researcher in this report from Ohio State, a professor named Christian Blanco, said that the improved reports uh, begin forcing companies to confront and understand climate change as a real risk to their supply chains, uh, be it from physical risks, such as weather-related disruptions, or also the risks that are manifested by uh, new climate regulations. Uh, likewise, uh, Blanco also found that a second effect of the carbon disclosures has been a realization among the affiliated companies that their supply chains, and therefore the environmental impacts, were larger than they had originally realized. 
So he said, uh, what we're seeing in those disclosures are companies that are more willing to invest the time and the resources to measure the environmental impact of assets, such as warehouses, delivery trucks, air cargo planes, even data facilities, Blanco said. So it seems that uh, simply measuring those effects and voluntarily sharing the numbers tends to encourage companies to improve their own performance. Yeah. Well, certainly a trend we'll continue to track. Thanks, Ben. Yes, of course. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. And be sure to check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights from the news this week. Yes, glad to be here. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having us. And again, our thanks to Dan Johnston of Workstep for being our guest today. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. And speaking of subscribing, we encourage you to check out our 11-part limited podcast series from CSEMP's Supply Chain Quarterly on the top 10 supply chain threats. Search on your favorite podcast platform to subscribe and to listen to the past episodes. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aptian. Forged from decades of industry experience, Aptian Proof of Delivery supports global delivery fulfillment operations with the tools they need to increase efficiencies, gain real-time visibility, automate communications, and enhance the delivery experience for customers. Your delivery operation can be a powerful vehicle to deliver game-changing customer service, reduce costs, and drive growth. Aptian Proof of Delivery can help. Visit aptian.com and discover how now. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters when we'll discuss just when we might see autonomous trucks on our nation's highways. So be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.